the network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. This is EdTech, episode number three, recorded Monday, March 26th, 2012. Go Bears! It's time for EdTech, the education-based and focused uh, audiovisual show from AV Nation. My name is Tim Albright, your host. Uh, with us is Scott Tyner, the Assistant Director, User Services at Bates College. Hello, sir. Hey, Tim. Uh, Matt Silverman, the Project Manager, Learning Space Design at George Mason University. How's it going, Tim? Doing well. And all the way across the country... Please welcome Greg Brown, the manager of classroom design and maintenance at UCLA. Classroom technology design. Classroom technology. You know, you already messed it up. I know. Classroom technology. Hello, Tim. It's a pleasure to be here. Go Bears. Thank you, anyway. Off the air, I told him go Bears because I just have Chicago on the brain. So Uh, you can say that. I can't say that. I know. Uh, today we're going to talk about uh, Extron and their new uh, iOS because we're all excited about it. And that was my tongue in my cheek. Uh, ben Q and some interactive projectors and uh, some Super Tuesday stuff that I, I'm really excited about. Uh, but first we're going to talk about Crestron. Not for nothing, but they've had a couple changes come down, down the pike. And uh, we're going to talk about a couple of different ones. The first one is A-plus pricing. And if you are a Crestron user, if you're an end user of Crestron gear, and you don't know about the A-plus program, uh, we'll go into that a little bit, but also about the changes in pricing. Um, one of the things is is A-plus is their education-based, uh, I guess program is the best way to put it. it it's, it's their reach out to... Um, to connect with the education guys and, and Matt, they've they've changed around their their partner pricing uh, a little bit, not not a whole lot. But what what is this kind of? I mean, you guys buy a lot of of, of Crestron gear, so does does this you know all these little pricing structures and the rebates that they're offering uh, or the, the rewards points, I guess, that they're offering incentivize you guys to buy more, or is it just like, hey, this is nice, a nice gift. We're going to buy as much as we were going to anyway. Um, I'd say for us at this point, it, it's it's a nice sweetener on top. Um, I mean, we we had already committed to an architecture, so it wasn't the thing that got us there. Though, if I was in a situation where I was judging two companies and we have historically, it would definitely help. Uh, we love educational programs here at George Mason. I mean, we we've worked with other AV companies, we've worked with software companies, and really, it's always great when we can get the best price for the university. So, being able to have guaranteed maximum pricing, if you were, that's how I generally look at a lot of these programs. Is I know what my ceiling is. So when I'm doing an estimate, either for my boss or for a departmental client at George Mason, I can give them a pretty accurate, not to exceed number for their hardware, and that's fantastic. And we've done that with Crestrun and also other vendors that we work with. Well, and and Scott, not only that, but they've also you know given you you know three more years on top of the on the parts and labor. You know, they they've extended that to five years, and I could be wrong. Um, that's the biggest one in the industry. 
the longest longest warranty in the industry? I think the warranty is fantastic, and I, you know, obviously I think the the products are good to start with, so you don't often need a warranty. I'll tell you one of the things that I like best about this this press release is the um, direct RMA for warranty repairs. Yeah. Uh, and I have actually had to use that a few times, and it's so much easier to call up the company, get an RMA, and get it sent than trying to go through your your dealer, who even even if it's a great dealer, and we've got great dealers. You know, this is not what they want to spend their time doing, and so it, it's it's, it's a slow process. You know, we've had stuff get shipped to to Crest Run and back in four or five days now through that. So that's the one for me that that's really huge. I haven't done anything yet with the reward points. I think that's another one that for me, um, I think the neat thing about that is. I can now um, get a little stock of backup equipment or even test equipment for my bench so I can kind of configure some things and understand how they're going to work before I start putting them in classrooms um, without having to explain to somebody why I want to spend, you know, two or $3,000 to do that. Yeah, because that's, that's kind of a hard sell when they're looking at a classroom where you should be <laughs> populating it with, with equipment instead of your bench. Right, and so here we go. This is kind of, you know, it, it's almost saying to us, hey, here's your, your pot of money you can use for some things. Yeah. Greg, uh, I'm not sure how, how big or how much you guys use Prestron on, at UCLA, uh, but I'm sure you use some. Is this one of those things where you guys can, you know, like Scott said, you know, use this to, to kind of populate your bench and, and get your guys you know, up to speed on, on a lot of the new stuff? Well, we're, um, we're, we're very new as far as an A-plus partner. We became one just a couple of months ago. We have a, um, we have a grand total of one Crestron system. Wow. Um, there, there are some other departments that do have other Crestron equipment um, and and other companies, but we're we're predominantly Extron right now. But we're 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 moving towards Crestron certainly in the bigger rooms. So, but since we're fairly new to this, uh, new to working with them, this this new reality is sort of been our existing reality. We, we didn't really see a change, or we came in about the time that they made this change, and. Um, we're we're also very fortunate in that they have uh Crestron West um not very far from us it's actually closer to closer to home than uh, than the university is for me oh, wow. so um uh, nicely convenient and we've had a number of people down there already and um i guess my only thought here was on the on the points here uh you have to use them what was it? You have the, the the one where they expire here. You have to use them by the first of September, and yep. it probably would have been a little bit nicer for that to extend out a little further. I mean, usually about the first of September, I'm sort of mid nervous breakdown in preparation <laughs> for, you know, the start of fall classes. But uh, but no, I think it's a good move overall. That that was one thing that, that I found kind of funny, and I, I can see both sides of it. They do they don't carry over to the following fiscal year. It's July mm-hmm. through July, basically. Um, and then, yeah, so all credits must be redeemed no later than the following September. So this year it would be right. September 1st. Uh, that was kind of yeah, a little weird. Um, but I can also see it from their side, you know, where you, you don't want to have somebody like, I don't know, um, you know, University of Illinois buying things year to year. And all of a sudden they've got $3 million worth of, <laughs> worth of points. And, yeah, I'd like one of each. <laughs> Please, thank you. Right now, uh, right now, yeah. yeah. Well, and, and kind of coupled with that is is, is our next story, and that's uh, an email that I'm sure all of you guys got uh, for a, a plus educational partners, and it's something that Extron has done for a while, and, and, and I'm not trying to compare the two, but, I, but we're going to anyway. Uh, <laughs> it, it, the email says, or the the post says, get free travel for training, 
And I, I don't know about the, the rest of you guys. I'm sure you guys have at least been to, to some sort of training for for Crestron. Uh, I live in St. Louis or outside of St. Louis, so so my my local office is in Chicago, and I've been up there um, on a couple of occasions. And my, my school was gracious enough to to pay for the the, the travel and the 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 airfare and the and the hotel uh, for the week. Now Crestron does pay for our training, which you know I have some some uh, integrator friends, which you know the, the classes that I took were a thousand bucks a pop. Crestron does foot that bill, um, but in conjunction with with this other uh, program, uh, you basically earn credits for them to to uh, pay for your training. So, I mean, Greg, is this would this incentivize you to buy more if this would help, I guess, uh, pay for some of your training? Um, jury's kind of out on that. We're we're not quite sure how we're going to handle the the programming at this point. Sort of the subject of uh, internal debate right now. Although the whole uh, you know fifty rooms, you get one credit. <laughs> yeah. ooh, you know, uh, I I think it's going to be a while before we have fifty Crestron rooms as as much as they would like it to uh, to happen. Well, then we'll go over to Matt because I know Matt has fifty restaurant rooms. <laughs> yeah, just a couple. Yeah, a couple. Um, <laughs> no, I'll I tell think you, have fifty DM rooms by now. Actually, I have eighty-seven. But you who's stink. counting? Oh, um, <laughs> must be nice. <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> um, so, no, it's something that we look at is we, we send people annually there, and I, one of the interesting things I notice it's actually not uh, expenses to your. Uh, closest Crestron facility, but they want to fly you up to the mothership. Yeah. Which I I, I good get point. That. It, it's 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 good, good marketing and I, it's the same reason Extron likes to fly everyone out to Anaheim. It's there's something about going up to training at New Jersey which is just something else. It's been probably five, seven actually even longer, nine years since I've been up to New Jersey for training. But it was a much different experience going to the headquarters than I've done a couple of trainings now at our mid-Atlantic office uh, in Maryland. And it, it's really about getting you in for the experience. And I'll tell you, they're going to sell you more product every time you go up. And that may not be a bad thing, but it really gets you in to understand Crestron's corporate culture and their whole organization, which I think is worthwhile because we all have – our contacts at Crestron and this helps you kind of start building some of that and you know three you know three slots a year I mean we've been looking at this and we said that's you know at least for us we already have enough rooms that we're going to get all three slots every year wow um and it'll it'll be great it becomes for us and also an incentive program for some of our technicians who we say hey we're investing in you we're sending you up for training on someone else's time, but we're still really, you know, we're giving you that slot. And we think that'll be a really big thing where I was talking with some of our managers here that we're really looking forward uh, to getting some people who may have not got up to training to training and basically say, hey, you do really well. You get to go to New Jersey. For people who just have to go, we'll do what we've always done is send you to Maryland. So try, try to give that little boon to our staff as we can. Well, let me ask you this, and this is for you or, or Scott. Um, is there benefits maybe and, – and I, and I get the benefit of, of sending them to Jersey. I, I do. So, and you're right, the same reason that, that Extron sends you to Anaheim. But isn't there a benefit, though, to connecting you with your local guy? Because when I call the 800 number, that's who I get connected to is Chicago. 
Well, it, I'll say it depends. And sorry, um, you know, our local guy is in Atlanta. Our education guy. Oh, okay. Except wow. my, lo- my my local office is in the Mid Atlantic. I know both my education guy and my Mid Atlantic office manager as well as some other people, but. I've just found how big Crestron's getting, more contacts are better, and hopefully your A-plus partner rep is already pushing this stuff on you. So, you know, hopefully you know them pretty well. We won't talk about the Midwest education guy. Uh, Yeah, or or the Northeast. Sorry about that. Um, no, but I, I, I think that the training program is interesting. I, 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 um, I went to training uh, in Crestron. Man, it seems like a long time ago now, probably six or seven years ago. It was absolutely worth it. And I think I, I think like I agree with Matt in that um, it gives us an opportunity to send some people that maybe we wouldn't have sent otherwise if we had to do it out of pocket. I don't think it uh, gives me any incentive to go add more rooms. Um, you know, I, I, I just as soon um, have a have a closer rep here up in New England too than go down to New Jersey. But um, it definitely gives us an opportunity to send some people who otherwise wouldn't go. Yeah. Greg, in, in case you need uh, ammunition for, for your meetings, <laughs> I, I, here's the thing. Here's what I would say this. And I, and I have some guys that work with me who aren't uh, – who have never been to Crestron. And yeah. I, I've been trying to get them slowly acclimated to that. But here's here's my, my, my elevator pitch for that. I'm not asking you guys to become you know Crestron certified programmers. But if you can open up simple windows and change out a DVD, that's really all I'm asking. Or, or at least make heads or tails of the program. That's really kind of all that, that I'm, I'm asking for the guys. Uh, and that's what I would, I would say to anybody that, that is just now getting into, into Crestron or Xtron or AMX or any of that. Any of that. I'm not asking, you know, I, I wouldn't necessarily expect unless, you know, the people above you are asking for you to become, you know, Crestron certified. Is you know just get yourself in there and, and at least become acclimated to the programs and, and how they look and how they work. Yeah, well, I I pretty much have that level at this point. Um, it it's the the debate is whether we're going to do the programming in house or oh, okay, whether sure. we're going to farm it out. We we did one system and we basically did it in house with the help of a uh, basically somebody who just does programming on the side. And it used a 16 by 16 DMMD matrix switcher, so it was a it was a bit of a handful of a project. And 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 most people who come and see it are sort of like, you did this without talking to Crestron and the company and stuff. And we're like, yeah, it's like, wow, that's pretty impressive. And so we're most people are surprised that it works, but actually we it 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 worked and it came out okay we didn't maybe do it as easily as we could have if we'd actually been talking to the company ahead of time but they sort of found out us uh, about us you know as we're buying these pieces of equipment and they're calling up and it's sort of like you know who who are you and why do you want a 16 by 16 dmmd matrix switcher well and i I really come and i have (laughs) sort of attracts their attention for some reason greg says yeah i only have one one crestron room it happens to be a 16 by 16 dm (laughs) matrix but you know i digress holy cow dude yeah you did it right man 
Um, that's impressive. <laughs> yeah, that's that's what I said about that. It was that. an interesting experience. I guess I've heard of a couple guys like this, and and uh, I mentioned the Midwest rep, uh, the, the gentleman who was who was my favorite Midwest rep, and I will swear I, I will say this to the end of the earth: the best education rep I think I've ever had. And that that his name is Kevin Iselli, and and um, he is now the DM trainer. Um, I think for he does a lot of DM training. Let's put, just put it that way. Um, he, he moved on to DM training a couple of years ago and, and I think that, I think we, I just got an email the other day that we have a new, uh, a new rep. So according to Creston, I should be hearing from him soon. So we'll see. Our rep just, uh, just left the company and I'm told I'll be getting another one soon also. Well, dude, you just bought a 16 by 16. Yeah. You'll be getting a new one. <laughs> You're going to be getting your own. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, we had it. Randy had Klein a- will be calling you. <laughs> So far, now now that they know who we are, getting them to call hasn't been a problem. It's I, no, we had we had a great rep, but she's she's moved on to another company. Okay, can I ask a stupid question? You're freaking UCLA. You're I, not. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, come on. It's not like okay. I work for a community college outside of St. Louis. You're freaking UCLA. Yeah, and, and they just no. discovered you. Hey guys, there's this big college out west. Everything. Somebody should call them. Everything is very decentralized here. Like, like I've said before, we're we're not the only AV department on campus. We're just the largest. All right, still. And, um, oh yeah, and and you know everything is very decentralized. We are we are not part of an IT department. Every um, every department and school has their own IT department. So we have something like thirty four of them. When people ask if I'm part of an IT department, I say which one. Wow, really. <laughs> That sounds like a nightmare. Let me just throw something in right there, since I'd probably be remiss as a board member. But there is the uh, Crestron Owners Group, uh, which I'm on the board for, which is a peer-to-peer support service. Uh, We're on LinkedIn. I know Greg's been very active on there recently. Uh, So if anyone's not aware of it, it's it's a great resource. Crestron does monitor it, and they are advisory to us, but we are independent. Um, and so far there hasn't been any topic you can't bring up. Yeah. Well, you yeah, know, I, I just want to throw... Oh, go ahead, Greg. I, I, yeah, I was just to say about the group. Yeah, they, they don't officially monitor it, but, but boy, somebody jumps on there with a, with a problem or some sort of an issue. It's amazing how quickly somebody from mm-hmm. the, uh, the company jumps on with, with some sort of, you know, resolution or some sort of idea. Go ahead, Scott. I was just going to mention, I think one of the things I really like about the A-plus program is that a few of us have had, you know, different experiences with, with Crestron reps. I had, I will argue with you, Tim, I had the best Crestron rep ever in <laughs> Michael Goldman. Um, but I think the great thing about the A-plus program is that you can call those numbers and you can talk to tech support. You can mm-hmm. do those RMAs yourself. You can get training. And so even if they've got some um, reps that are a little weaker in some areas than others, you know, the, the support is still there. Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. Regardless of who your rep is, who if you call those numbers, those right. those guys are really good. So, uh, on to Infocom, the group that we all uh, are members of and and proudly. Um, so, a couple things about this. I mean, we're going to talk about Infocom, the the show here in, in, in a little bit. Uh, the first thing though is the membership change, and I, I was I thought it was a good thing, even on on first glance. And the more I looked into it, the more I the excited I, I got. Uh, they're, they're changing their membership. There is now two levels. That's it. If if you didn't know before, there were several different levels 
mainly for for companies really uh, there was like a gold and a, and a platinum and different different price structures for that uh, now it's five hundred dollars five hundred dollars for institutions let's say so it's if your college wants to to become an infocom member and then there are benefits to that that's great if you're not which our, our college does not i'm I'm the only quote unquote member uh, that's a hundred and fifty dollars annually the one downside to this and, and Scott we'll start with you uh, Edubucks is going away. Uh, Edubucks were the education dollars you got to purchase, um, you know, the 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 um, events and the and the uh, Super Tuesday classes or uh, online classes and stuff like that. So that's kind of going away. But they're they're still they're giving you more free classes. I guess is the best way to put that. So do you think yeah. this is a good thing? Is this not so good, especially for you guys specifically? Uh, it doesn't bother me that much. We never really used our Edubucks that often. We would take the online courses that came with – well, I guess they didn't come with our membership, but they're going to now. You know, We used to take an online course and it would be $99 and we could apply our Edubucks. So it was essentially free. Now we're not going to have to go through that process of putting in our Edubucks number. It's just going to be free. Um, you know, and we, you, there's lots of books and stuff you could never buy with Edubucks. So for me, it's, it's a decent deal. Um, there's no limit. You know, I can tell people that work for me to, to take a class, to take a refresher class. It's a great way when somebody who just, you know, starts at your institution to have them take one of those courses and you can kind of see where they are in, uh, in their knowledge. So I, I think it's a, I think it's a good thing. So, so Matt, are you guys, do you guys have an institution one or is it just individual guys? Uh, we have an institution one, and as the guy who's had to coordinate and manage our Edubucks for the past five years, I am so, so happy it's going away. I mean, we have 25 or so full-time staff where I've been trying to coordinate this, Holy and it's either cow. and it's, it's either we're not spending enough or I'm getting a call saying someone has overdrafted your Edubucks account. So that that makes me happy. Um, I was talking to one of our support managers about this uh, last Friday, and one of the things which really intrigues us is all the uh, classes being free. We have at uh, the campus I'm at, our Fairfax campus, I think at this point about 35 to 45 student employees who do AV support. Wow. And the idea of being able to say, you know, after you get hired, you know, for your first month on the job, we expect you to work through, you know, fundamentals of the AV industry or whatever it turns out to be. It's huge because there's no limit on how many people we could join. And I wish I could say we could make the $100 commitment for every student employee, but we really couldn't. So the idea of that being free is, is, is huge for us. Yeah, that is that is huge. Greg, do you are you guys members of Infocom? We we are. We've actually been uh, platinum members for many, wow. many years, um, although it, it's always been a little bit of drama as far as getting people to classes. Um, it, it's amazing for, uh, uh, you know, for a university with our, our size and budget, how how many hoops sometimes you have to jump through to send somebody to a hundred dollar class. <laughs> um, typically, I've been the only one who's been using the edge of bucks. Um, up until maybe like this last year or two, it's it's opened up a little bit. I think um, big picture, probably a good move. Simple, simpler structure, and yeah, look, curious to see how the free classes work out. That that will probably be a good, a very useful one. Yeah, I think so too. I think so. Well, and, and Infocom also has a couple of different things. One is opportunities to volunteer, and one of those opportunities, um, all of us here, here volunteer on that. 
and that is the Technology Managers Council. Um, one way, and, and Scott, we'll let you take take this. How how do people get involved in not just this council, but if they have other ones? And then Matt, we'll ask you because you've got some connections with like the Stainers committees and, and other ones too. Yeah, so the Technology Managers Council is is the council for um, those of us who own um, AV products and, and work in a in a dedicated location like a college or university or hospital or airport. Uh, and to to join, if you're a member of Infocom, you simply go to our website on the on the Infocom page uh, and send in a request. Um, it. We are right now in, in the Technology Managers Council working on um, a couple of things to help understand better exactly what a technology manager is and who we are in the industry and perhaps even tossing around an idea about um, does technology manager still uh, describe us appropriately or is there some better description? Okay, Matt, what's um, you, you've got um, the Infocom standards and some other committees that you're on. How do people get involved in those? Sure. Um, I'm on uh, the Infocom uh, Standards Committee, which works on uh, right now our ANSI, our industry's ANSI uh, standards initiative. Uh, there are three standards which have already uh, gone forward, the ACU, uh, which is audio uniformity, uh, the design uh, guide standard, as well as uh, PISCR, which is the projected image contrast ratio standard. And there's a whole bunch right now under development as well, including things like display image size. This has been a fantastic committee I've worked on. It's, uh, I've actually been on it for about 18 months now. And it's one of the Infocom standing committees, which are appointed by the Leadership Development Committee. Um, I was able to get involved because someone was asking for volunteers once, and I said, sure, this, this sounds interesting. Mm-hmm. And a while later, you know, I've drank the Kool-Aid and have you know, <laughs> been, born, been born again all about standards development. Um, and right now, there's actually a, uh, a, a call out for volunteers for uh, two standards, uh, new, new standards development initiatives, as well as three industry innovation groups. And industry innovations are what was formerly known as best practices. Um, the board, I, I don't know the full history behind this, but uh, rebranded that uh, <laughs> this year. And so it's really a great initiative because these are truly open calls. One of the things to think about when I and I'll talk about ANSI standards forever if you let me, but uh, we won't. Don't no, we won't. No. <laughs> but, but with the ANSI standards, one of the things we do as a committee is make sure the industry is representative from all of our constituent groups. And what that's drawn into is really four different groups. You have the consultants, uh, which also includes programmers, integrators, manufacturers, and technology managers. So something that's very important to us is making sure we have balance on all of our committees and making sure each of those four groups are represented. Our uh, standards committee, which which is the, the steering group, uh, actually has right now a perfect balance with eight members, two from each of the segments. So it really provides an, a nice balance as we look at the, developing these things. 
very cool. So, so yeah, I, I a, go ahead. I got a question. Um, so w- with those, Matt, I, I guess some of us might be sitting back and saying, well, you know, what what sort of experience do we need to have to to be a part of of one of these things, or what what should we bring to the table? How high is the bar to get onto one of these uh, uh, these committees, so to speak? That's a good question. That's a fantastic question. And it, um, what I would say is you have to bring an interest in the topic and a knowledge base. Uh, we do have some people on these committees who I will say are the absolute industry expert in, in that particular thing. But it, building standards is a consensus-based activity. The idea is to come together as an industry to develop a consensus plan for what it needs to be. So, for example, as technology managers, we can represent our segment very well on any of these committees. And you may not be the absolute audio expert, but if you apply whatever that audio item or that video item in your environment, you can represent your segment very well. Uh, We review resumes for these committees, and we really look to find a diverse representation of the industry as we're building these committees. Oh, very good. So, so people should just go ahead and apply if they're interested? Absolutely. And here's what I'll say. Even if it turns out this one isn't right for you, you become part of what we call the subject matter expert body, which is a group now. It's probably 400-plus volunteers wow. who get kind of first crack at things. So they're like the email for those of you who saw this go out on AV1 or some similar listservs. This email first went out uh, to the subject matter experts group, and it's not saying they get a preference, but it allows you to be a little bit more in touch with the industry, and we're going to try to start pushing out a little bit more information to this group. So if it's something you're interested either now or in the future being part of, I really encourage people to contact its uh, standards at infocom.org and just say, hey, I want to be part of this, and we'll make sure you get in the pool, or infocom will, not me personally. (laughs) And if you have any problems with it, just contact Matt. I will say this. Matt got me into the standards committee party last year. And, yeah, I wasn't smart enough to be in that room. Let me just say that. Yeah. So, all right. How, uh, but was it? How, tell me about it. It must have been a rocking party, though. It was incredible. It was fun. But, again, I mean, they were telling, like, you know, physics jokes. <laughs> You know, and, and, drink, and drinking out of out of uh, flasks and stuff. So it, it, beakers. It, it was a theme party. The, the the theme was a standard measure, hence the beakers. Yes. But it, it really is <laughs> what happens when you put, I'd say, a hundred alpha geeks in close uh, proximity to each other. It mm. it, it gets interesting. <laughs> yeah. Again, not smart enough to be in that. Uh, <laughs> from uh, from Rave Bubs, uh, this actually could have just been from from Extron themselves. The uh, the folks at Anaheim have released their Media Link app for the iPad, um, and I, I'll say this: and I have a personal uh, issue with you know how long it takes for things to come out after Infocom, but that's just my own personal thing. My and, and I'll I'll delve into it real quickly. If you show it at Infocom, it should be ready the next day. <laughs> That's just my two cents. Uh, but you know they, they did show this at Infocom. It is ready now uh, in March. <laughs> <clears throat> um, Greg, we're going to start with you because you're the only one who's had, who's had any experience with this. 
Yeah, we uh, we had somebody bring an iPad with the uh, app on it to a meeting uh, last week, and um, we're we're a little disappointed, uh, basically, to be honest. I mean, the, we have lots of Extron MediaLink controllers, and they are um, they're unable to authenticate, and so we have to put them on their own subnets in all of the rooms. I have I have a subnet in every building, and. Um, we get that subnet from the IT folks under the agreement that that has no access to the outside world whatsoever. It has to be you know locked up inside cabinets. And best we can figure by by looking at the information on this. And I I spent part of the weekend going over the the technical documentation for this app, um, both pages of it. Um, th- you have to give it free connection to whatever the subnet that all of your media link controllers are on. So it seems like it's entirely a non-starter for us. And we were, we were sort of a, we had a number of people who were looking forward to using this and this is clearly not what we were hoping for. The other question we had here with this, not only was the, the subnet issue was it can only work with 12 rooms. So it's clearly intended as something you're going to be giving to instructors, not something you're going to be giving to techs to, yeah. you know, be able to go out there and, and diagnose problems. So we're kind of a little confused and disappointed at this point, basically. Wow. Well, and, and I was I was disappointed with the graphics, to be honest about it. And that was, I mean, I'm, I'm here in, we'll get into the subnet stuff, but I, I thought that, you know what? I understand what an MLC is. I understand, and, and, and if you don't know what an MLC is, an MLC, the one that they use is the 104. It's a box. It's a box with with buttons and hard buttons, and that's what it is. But that's that's their controller interface. That is, you know, their their push buttons and or, or the 226. Or, which I'm is, sorry, which yes, is or the 226. Use, yeah, and which, it, which it gives looks you some exactly more. like the face of a 226. Um, but didn't they have the opportunity to make this? I'm not going to say AMX-like or Crestron-like, but somewhat sexier than emulating in the box that's on the wall. Well, th- this is the app for the MediaLink controllers. There will be. I don't think it's out yet. Um, yeah, and, and, and don't get me started about Xtron and when we actually see products they announce. <laughs> but uh, I, I believe there is another app coming for... Uh, that will let you tie into the TouchLink panels, which yeah. are sort of you know their their version of you know programmable touch panels, <laughs> configurable. Excuse me, don't use the P word around Extron, folks. No, no. you can't but program I, them. Right, right. Um, that's a double-edged sword. Um, but I believe there's an app for those coming, which isn't out yet. Okay. All right, so let's talk about the the subnet stuff. Let's talk about the stuff the, the the fact that you have to put them, you have to give them access to this. Is that you said that's a non-starter for you? So you know, and and I guess we'll go over to Matt for this because I, I don't know a whole lot about networking. Uh, I'll be the first to admit that I'm a control guy. I'm a video guy, and I know enough about networking to make myself dangerous and to tick off my IT guys. So, um, well, I think we're all in that camp. Well, yeah, I just yeah. you know, Mac Mac comes from an IT background, so that's why I lean on him a lot. Um, is that a big deal, Matt, or is it is it you know having access to everything? Is that a huge security deal? 
Yep. Um, (laughs) It just, just, what it screams to me is like a lot of AV products, and this is not just Xtron, is I don't know who they were designing it for. And it's no one brought in, you know, an enterprise IT guy and said, would this work in your environment? Um, And it's really, it makes me wonder because I I actually think like with Global Viewer, Xtron kind of nailed that product really well. And it's like that they have yes. two two support teams that are just not even talking to each other based on the way you described it. You know, you have Global Viewer, who I've actually told Crashtron, I think they get Enterprise gets the higher ed educate you know Enterprise environment much better than Crashtron does with RoomView. Uh, and we were you know at times trying to emulate stuff that Global Viewer does out of the box, but. It's like a lot of these products where they expect, you know, all your equipment exists on the same subnet and or it uses some, you know, some weird protocol, which requires you to open up holes in your firewall. And I I actually think I just heard my networking staff cringe by me just saying that (laughs) it's it's. You know, there's a conversation here. I mean, we, we sit down when we when we started working on a room view server initiative. I met with networking. I met with server. I even met with some apps people where we did an analysis of what does this mean to our enterprise environment. And I think gone are the days that at least, you know, in a large university, you just throw a device on the network. And Greg, from your description, it almost sounds like that's what Xtron just thought. I mean, this just got thrown on your network. Yeah, I'm. I'm sort of one. I'm. I'm sort of looking for a little bit of. Are we the only people like this? But it. It seems to me. Yeah, you. You can't just lay this stuff open to to the great unwashed masses. But that's what they've done so far with their IP stuff. Well, isn't it? I mean, that, well, that, that's well, with, why with the exception of global viewer. Stuff. We we literally for for as soon as we started rolling out the media link controllers, we moved to a model where when we build a classroom, we're getting three or four new data lines pulled just for us. Uh, one of which so that we can have uh, a couple of data ports on our own, our very own private subnet. Right. Like I said, which doesn't require authentication, but cannot be open to anyone else. Wow. I know. It's funny because I, I agree with you, Matt. I think you sometimes wonder who these companies are designing things for. I remember when I tried to use one of the first um, Crestron wireless touch panels, um, it wasn't working. And so our integrator called Crestron. They said, well, you need to go get a Linksys router. It only works with Linksys routers. Oh, and I remember like, that panel very, very and, well. And I was <laughs> like, well, no, hold on a minute, though. You don't get – you know, I work at a college. You know, they're not going to let me just throw a Linksys router in. Well, that's what you need to do. And I was like, you know, you guys are always bragging. You use Microsoft and Cisco. Do you just go into Cisco and tell them to use a Linksys router? But that was their solution. I had to go to Walmart, buy a Linksys router. And so I obviously never used that panel. Um, it, but, you know, it's like who, who told you that was an okay idea? <laughs> oh, wow. Some engineer somewhere. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, just uh, everybody has Linksys routers. Just right, exactly. Oh, my. All right, let's move along to the world of projectors and smart boards. Um, just show of hands. Every, does everybody here have a smart board, at least one or some, in on your campus? Yes. N- none that we are responsible for. Okay. Mr. Uh, Mr. Silverman? 
Yeah, unfortunately, we do. All right, so three of the four of us have them. I'm not a big fan of them, but I get them. I get the the I get the use case. Let me just put it that way. So I, the the story I gave, I gave you guys and you gave me some crap for it, it was Ben Q. Uh, but you could have said this about any of them because there was there was some that were released um, at Infocom last year, at least shown at Infocom last year. This one's actually shipping, and we all know my, my feelings on showing things and not shipping them. Uh, so, so <laughs> Scott, is this bit, the Ben Q part aside, and we can have a debate over <laughs> over Ben Q's merits later. But the concept, the, the the technology here, where you have a projector. And it is your smart board, you know. It, it you don't have to have a stupid, you know, thing on wheels. You roll it around. And if you you can get it off kilter, you can get it. You know, the the keystone can be off or whatever. This is your actual interactive part. Is that not attractive, or is that just too many eggs in one basket? Um, yeah. we we don't use smart board at, at Bates. We use Symposiums, so we use their monitor based. Um, product. Uh, and what I found, we've actually just this week had a discussion about this, is people don't use them. Uh, we have found that you know, no matter how much we talk to faculty about using them, they simply don't use them. And so I don't know that whether Ben Q, well, I don't know Ben Q, period, but I don't know whether you know, this is going to make any difference. I think the difference that we're going to see is with iPads or tablets coming in that just make that seamless. And there's not you know, even with the the symposium, there's always um, toolbars floating around that people don't like. When you're in the writing mode, you know, sometimes you have to click four or five times to get out of it, and it confuses people. So if you've got an iPad that you really can just write over and annotate over, uh, or some other tablet that that does that, I think that's really where we need to go. Um, you know, whether these interactive projectors end up in in K12 or something like that, I don't know. Um, I know that for us, we're going to stop using Symposiums, and we wouldn't put something like this in just because we're not seeing people using it at all. Just period. Yeah. Hmm. Matt, do, do you see a use case for this where you can get rid of, of, of the, the boards, or is this, you know, like I said, too many things in, in, one, in one basket? No, we, um, we've gone in cycles. When I first got to George Mason over a decade ago, uh, we had a couple of the old rear projection smarts, which were kind of the bane of my existence. And through non-use, we ended up discontinuing that product in our environment. And we probably went a good five years, and we were doing a focus group on seminar-style teaching, basically small small group, 12 to 16. And we got a lot of feedback from a, di- a bunch of different colleges, actually from our law school, from our College of Science, from our colleges of uh, – of uh, liberal arts and really said, you know, we all have different applications. A lot of them were just document markup. So we introduced two years ago a seminar room standard at George Mason, which has a smart board. Basically, it was the board plus the smart projector. The board itself works well. The projector, don't get me started on. Uh, my our, our staff here really just wants to rip them all down. Um, I really do like the idea of it just being an all-in-one projector. I, I think for specific use cases, it works really well. It, you have to start thinking about new things, though, like how are you going to cable back to your computer? And you, you just have to put a little bit more planning into it. But 
I really am starting to like for smaller classrooms, not just the interactive projectors, but the short throw projectors. And it, we we're kind of looking at some of the price points on, you know, we're an Epson University and Epson has a comparable product. And for only a couple bucks more in the long run, you can add interactivity to a non-interactive projector. So we're starting this summer to give it real consideration that, you know, in our smaller rooms, I'd say like 30 seats and below, maybe this is something we want to consider. Uh, we have got some push from faculty that they are interested in this. Hmm. Yeah, and that was, was, my, was my really, my, my question was whether or not we, can, we could start you know, interacting with this. Um, Greg, is this, does it interest you at all, or is it just you, know, you guys don't use them, so? Well, we've, we have tried. We've tried the whiteboard route uh, a couple of times. The problem we always ended up with is we'd, we'd put a couple whiteboards out there, and you couldn't get the instructors who wanted to use them in that particular room. It was always a battle of, yeah. you know, the room's the wrong size or it's in the wrong building or something like that. So we've tried, but um, to, to be fair, I looked this up, and they do have a really great video demonstrating these projectors on uh, YouTube. And and one of the things this does, which is a little neat, is that you don't have to put the pen right up on the screen or right up on the board. You can point at it and write at it, which is sort of neat. Um, I, I think also they're showing it where you're projecting it on a projection screen. And I'm not sure I want anything resembling a pen anywhere near my <laughs> yeah. my you know, big expensive vinyl sheets that I tend to hang all over the place. Um, but it's... It, it, it clearly, you know, um, K, K through 12 sort of area, I think, yeah, you know, it's an interesting area. I um, I, I think it's, it's an interesting product. I mean, I don't have – I do have some BenQ projectors. Um, I can't say I've become much of a fan based on that. Um you know, having newly repaired units come back and then explode on the on the shop bench and blow the circuit breaker in the shop and don't don't tend to, uh, you know, endear you to technical people, but um, it it's it, it's an interesting product. Although really, I I can't help but wonder when the the folks who are making the the touch sensitive monitors are are gonna sort of spot this market and then eat the lunch of all of the people who are making the interactive whiteboards and these interactive projectors because that just seems like that's much more the killer app for this sort of uh, this sort of world yeah yeah you're right that is true that and and, uh, and like Scott said you know the, the iPads and stuff so alrighty uh, from Vadio the uh, the guys who make some really cool control uh, computer uh, cameras and, and they make a really cool uh, in ceiling document camera it is the uh easy usb tools for the usb revolution and according to the the press here it's whether you're looking to design a small video conferencing system or a large integrated lecture capture classroom vadio gives you the tools you need to make your software applications work in real world av environments so <laughs> we'll go around on this one Matt, is this, you know, we've, we've talked about, you know, integrating stuff and making things easier. We talked about, you know, Crestron's, um, you know, Capture HD system uh, a couple a couple times ago. Is this, you know, more ubiquitous for us as, as education guys um, because it's all USB and, and because it integrates so many different things? 
from from you know Google and, and Skype and, and other other things. Uh, does this make it easier to kind of make our own video conferencing system? Oh, that, that's a loaded question. Um, <laughs> it makes it easier to build a Skype classroom. I, I will say that. Um, I mean, at some point, there, there's a judgment call whether is Skype or Google Video or whatever really the same experience as you know uh, IP H three two three or you know telepresence video conferencing. Um, a year ago, I was asked by one of our departments, you know, could we build a Skype classroom? And I said, not really. And they ended up, you know, Velcroing a web camera to the ceiling, which didn't make me feel too good. But that would prevent, you know, this new product launch would prevent that. And I, I, I think there's some interesting possibilities. I, I haven't figured out a specific use scenario for us yet on this one, though. Yeah. Mr. Tyner, is this? Cameras, oh, go ahead, Greg. Cameras velcroed to the cameras velcroed to the ceiling. Now there's an integration. <laughs> well, Send a picture of that. Yeah, not so much. <laughs> you know, just, uh, you know, we're, we're a different. We're we're slightly different than that. We're a very small college up here in Maine. We don't do um, any online courses or any telepresence type courses. We use video conferencing a lot for interviewing people, doing initial interviews and stuff. And I really like this product because one of the situations that we've had, of course, is people say, you know, I want to, I want to use Skype. I use it at home. I, I know it. It's fine. And we say, well, you know, it's, it works 90% of the time, but it's free and you never know what's going to happen. And that's great. No, the quality is not that great. That's fine. I don't care. Um, and then they call us when they're done. They go, boy, that webcam in the room really couldn't pick everybody up. And you go, yeah, huh, geez, I didn't – who would have thought of that? Uh, and so for me – exactly. Uh, I'm glad you told me that. Um, for me, this makes a big difference because now we can mount this on the wall. they got the PTZ capabilities, um, and, and they're still using Skype because I think there's also a part of, of our jobs that we need to realize – um, telling people to go to a special conference room to use the H323 system and, and you know somebody on the other end needs to go to a if, – if they're just a, a end user, they need to go to a place and rent the system. It just doesn't make sense anymore, and it is true that you know my experience is Skype does work 90% of the time. Um, and so for me, we're building systems like this. We're, bu- we're putting some systems in, in classrooms where somebody may want to invite a guest speaker in. Uh, we've done that on several occasions. So I, I I think there's a real use for this in that kind of scenario. I can certainly see where you know if Matt or other colleges are trying to connect two different campuses every single day, this is not where you're going to want to go with that. Yeah. But the, it it is where you want to go if you have something like you know connecting Skype or, or connecting Google Talk um, on the far end to you know a, a classroom in general. So. Uh, Greg, is this something? Do you guys do video conferencing at all? And, and is this something that you would you would do or consider? Well, we most of the video conferencing we do is done with little portable uh, equipment. We do a lot of lecture capture, and uh, it's it's handled by a, a sister group of or a sister unit of mine, and um, they're they're very intrigued and they'd like to take a look at this. Um, what, what they do is they put a Mac Mini in the classroom, and then we have a system of uh, Panasonic uh, IP-based cameras where 
you know, everything is controlled here from a central location and uh, you have a joystick controller and they, you know, control the camera out in the room and then at the end of the class, they can just press a button and switch over to a camera in another class and start recording that uh, to, to leverage the people across the across multiple classes. And um, they, they do want to take a look at this and see um, particularly, you know, what the interface is like and how it works. And... Um, yeah, they're cautiously optimistic. It, it might be something that works for us, but um, but we need to see it. And, and the latest uh, we heard was that um, there there weren't going to be any uh, any demo units until probably about the time of Infocom. Which what? yeah, okay, yeah, okay, yeah, we've yeah, okay, three months. All right, I'll I'll, I'll give them that. But we we would have loved to have had a you know a few demo units or something or something that we could have seen and tried and you know the, they they do have a lot of uh, of videos online but they're 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 kind of slim technically not not seeing a lot of user interface or things like that stuff yet. Well, Greg, if they get it done by June, that gives you three whole months before your classes start. So that's plenty of time. Yeah, well, they're, they're, they unfortunately they roll out new classes every uh, every quarter, so uh, that that's been an ongoing target. Um, and, and the videos are, are are slim on the technical end because the stuff doesn't exist yet. <laughs> it well, exists. There's a picture right there. <laughs> let's just say I I know Vadio and I I I I think if they've got product coming in three months, they're probably fairly sure what they're going to build. Whereas with some other companies, I, I think a lot of times I've gotten the impression their product announcements were more um, a way of, of finding out how much interest rather than an actual intent to build a product. And I Nobody would I, ever do I'm that. I'm not going to name any names. Oh, come on, name the name. <laughs> huh? All right. I was I waiting for you. No, I was waiting for you to name the name. No, I've gotten in enough trouble. Or like cough or, you know, give me it in pig Latin or something. I don't know. All right. Um, You're listening to EdTech. Go ahead. Yeah, we're never going to have any sponsorship, are we? No. No. (laughs) No, Crestron loves us. I mean, we've we've pretty much taken care of everybody that's out there on the market. At least Mm -hmm. we're equal opportunity. Maybe McDonald's. (laughs) (laughs) All right. um, Go ahead. Um, Matt's going to give us a real quick rundown of his intent, his impression of of the new iPad. Because in case Apple ever did want to uh, to sponsor, we'll take care of that right now. <laughs> yeah. Um, so the new iPad, it's it's new. The new iPad, not the iPad three. Uh-uh. Um, yeah, it, it was kind of I guess a lackluster for me when I saw what came out. I mean, I, the higher resolution is great, but it was very much an incremental upgrade. I mean. It could. It really should have been like the iPhone 2s because that, that's really about all they added to it. I mean, I, th- I think it's great, but I, I really wish they would, you know, again make it a little bit more enterprise friendly. Uh, I was talking to another university last week or two weeks ago, and apparently their new enterprise tools actually make it worse to manage now than it was before. So I, I don't know. I mean, it, it just really didn't do much for me. How about you guys? I don't have one yet. So I I've got an iPad. I had the iPad one. I've got the iPad two. Um, I think that for me, you know, I, I, again, Matt, I think you hit the nail on the head. To me, yeah. this was a um, 
this was the iPad 2S, you know. Um, it, it's neat. If you don't have one, I'd probably go buy it, but I'm not getting rid of the iPad 2 to go grab it. Yeah, and see, you, that's, don't want, you don't want the full set there, Scott? <laughs> I want to start a collection. Yeah. <laughs> you can play Angry Birds on any of them. Well, see, and that, that was my thing is, is I don't have – I've never had one. I don't have a one or two or, or the three or the new one yet. And in talking to, to you, Matt, and talking to, with, with um, Gary Kay, the guy that does Rave Pubs, uh, he and I have a, a daily show. And he, you know, he was all about, you know, this is the best thing ever and this, that, and the other. And I simply told him, I said, look, I said, these specs do not impress me. I might as well save 100 bucks and go get the two. And he said, um, he said, no, he goes, and, and he, he made a good point. He said, you know, if you don't have one at all, cough up the extra hundred dollars and and get the 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 full res you know the whole the you know the newest latest greatest one uh if you do have a two then yeah stick with the two and and wait for the four or whatever it is they call the next one so righty um that's all I have on my plate guys do you have anything else to to kind of talk about or 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 promote um oh uh the super Tuesday stuff super Tuesday um, if you're not familiar with Super Tuesday, it is the Tuesday uh, before Infocom starts, and there are a number of classes, and this year there is a an education-focused, and uh, we're calling it Scott Tyner's Super Tuesday event. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. <laughs> I'm joking. Yes, the, the it's, three it's... of us voted on that. Yes. <laughs> uh, I, 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 as long as I get um, a, a fee for it, portion. I'll be happy with <laughs> we'll pay you an edu bucks. Yes. <laughs> Very nice. Uh, all, all kidding aside, we're giving Scott a hard time. Uh, it's not his. It's not. It, it, it Infocom came up with it, but it's an education focus. And so, um, Scott, go ahead and kind of go over because um, you're the one that let me know about it at least. Um, yes. It's it's a Super Tuesday event, and it's focused on um, you know again mainly education. Because often we talk about technology managers, we think about education. But uh, I think that anybody who's a technology manager would be interested. Uh, we've got a session from uh, Dan Doolin at the University of Illinois going to do some talking about um, how they've implemented campus standards at the University of Illinois. Um, we have Tim Cabe giving a really interesting talk on ADA requirements. I think it's one of the things that. Um, a lot of us haven't necessarily paid a lot of attention to over time, um, and so it might be really good to kind of get that opportunity from a, somebody who really knows what he's talking about, like Tim Cape, to think and, about. And by, and, and by not paid attention to, you mean ignored, right? Yeah, <laughs> and and you know you, we realize now as we as we look at things and just become more aware of the podiums that we built and the touch panels that people can't reach or um, just a whole bunch of issues the the sound in a room um, that we need we need to focus on that it's it's the right thing to do. Um, we have a person from Virginia Tech who's going to come and talk about emergency planning, and we thought that this would be an interesting talk because. Um, AV is so involved in everything that happens on our campuses or in our businesses now that you know if you talk about emergency planning, you talk about digital signage, you talk about paging, you talk about sending messages to your classrooms, uh, you talk about cameras in classrooms maybe that can get tied into um, emergency planning. So he, he's going to give a really interesting topic. It's not your typical a, what you think of a typical AV talk, but I think it's really interesting that AV is involved in all of that stuff now. Um, William Natris is going to give an interesting um, talk about the show the show floor and how to make the met most of the show floor. I don't know about other That's people. That's a huge one. 
Yeah, every that's time big. I go to Infocom, I don't I don't get the appointments with the guys at Crestron and Extron. I can barely even talk to them. They're so busy. So he's going to really talk to us about not just how to make the most of the show floor, but he's going to have seen the show floor the day before. So he can tell us some things to see, and he can kind of tell us the trends to watch for on the show floor. So that'll be a really awesome topic. Um, and then we've got a um, the um, Andrew – I'm not quite sure how to say his last name. Andrew Mil Milne or Miney. Um, I believe it's Milne. Milne? It's Milne. Milne. Okay. Um, and he's going to talk about um, the mobile devices and how this is changing some of what goes on in, in the classroom. This is kind of the – um, what we're going to be dealing with in the next, you know, three to five years talk. So it, it's it's a you know it's an array of different people, some really interesting topics, and uh, it should be fun. Very cool. So if you uh, haven't registered, register for Infocom. Go to infocomshow.org to do that, and then in that you can sign up for all of the Super Tuesday classes or one or two. It's it's entirely up to you. And some of this is also you know obviously based on your. Uh, you know, your travel arrangements and when you get to Vegas and, and stuff like that. But I think that all of these are, are really, really cool and really important. Uh, if you if you uh, apply for the, you know, to be on the Technology Managers Council, we have a meeting there. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, Scott, I think it's on Friday morning. Is that correct? That's right. Yep. Mm -hmm. Make sure I got my calendar straight for that one because <laughs> it's a busy one this year. Um and uh, and so yeah, so do that. Uh, go to infocom. dot org to sign up for to join the the, the technology managers council, or go to infocomshow. dot org to sign up for uh, for the show. So, uh, guys, thank you so much for for joining us, Greg. Uh, this is your first time, and, and I hope you enjoyed it. Yes, we enjoyed having you. Had a blast. Appreciate the opportunity. Um, absolutely. His name is Greg Brown, manager of classroom technology design and maintenance from ucla yay yes. yay uh also <laughs> bears. thank you tim go yeah go bears <laughs> i will never let that one down uh matt silverman he is project manager of learning space design for george mason university and also a really smart guy when it comes to standards go, go. patriots 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 yes and then, of course, Scott Tyner, the Assistant Director of User Services at Bates College. Go Bobcats. Bob oh, I like that, Bobcats. Bobcats. That's, not, that's Cats, not one you, you, see, you hear very often. Go Bobcats. All right. <laughs> uh, my name is Tim. I'm the host. Uh, thanks so much for listening. Uh, to check this out, if you, find this, if you found this on iTunes, if you'd like to find more like this uh, or listen to the past ones, go to our website, ravepubs.com forward slash avnation ravepubs.com forward slash AV Nation. That's what this show is, uh, our weekly AV week, um, as well as uh, we have shows about you know do-it-yourself. Uh, we have a, a Women in, a in AV uh, podcast now, and we have a daily show. So check all those out, ravepubs.com forward slash AV Nation. Thanks so much for listening to EdTech. <laughs>